back to old school with DP and J on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. We got the lighting on in here. We are back old school. Jay Foreman, Kenny Wilhite at the Scarlet Hotel. Finally got us to where we can, we can be seen on here. I, you know, they, Kenny, I think they were trying to say us that we got faces for radio. So but faces but, for I, radio. but I, yeah. I think that we we two handsome older brothers, though. Kinda, you know yeah. what I mean? We get, nice and black don't crack. We, no, we, we don't. all right. You know, we a little gray, but we, we, we still can pass a little bit. <laughs> a you know, little bit, little if we bit. had the first day of school haircut and shave us off, we could pass for maybe 30s or something. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. yeah. I don't yeah, know about yeah, you. probably me, have I got to keep your hair on. Yeah. Your hat on, I mean. Yeah, my hat, I got just for men. I got to go bald. One of the two. But I got no, egghead. So you, I got. If, I, if you kept your head on, we could pass. Oh, yeah. We shave and our then, face. And then hit the just for men. We'd be good. Yeah. So uh, before break, we were talking about the. Uh, I don't even know what I'd call Mr. Or Mr. Or Dr. Or Coach Bob. Riley. No. I did, Coach Riley. All right. I, let me. Get, Mike Riley's Coach. always been cool. I, we were talking about Bob Diaco and his tenure here. And I think Bob Diaco's tenure is a little bit um, – doesn't get enough, I guess, credit for the downfall of Mike Riley, um, considering that normally when a defensive coordinator, I mean, Banker, was there previously, when you make a big jump, a significant jump, and in big games mm-hmm. now, in big games they played pretty decent, that you uh, end up, you know, forcing the head coach to fire him. The one thing I wanted to ask you about Bob Diaco, and then I'll tell my story, and then I wanted to ask you some some other stuff, because I wanted to ask you about the culture in which I think your perspective is good because it's coming from a different place than me because guys like you had influence. But what I wanted to ask you about Bob Diaco is I'm a big uh, proponent of even if you're if you're a good enough coach, even if you run a three four four three 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 five. But you know you don't have the personnel mm-hmm. that you would try to adapt. Yeah. Talk about Bob Diaco's inability to try to adapt, considering that we didn't have one guy that could play the three four. Not one. Not one. Talk about how hard that was, not only to watch, but on the players. Because that's not fair to them. No. It's not because it, 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 they, they can't do it. No. Um, so talk about because freedom could never be a no. stand up linebacker. No. So he went from. A 260 defensive end. You tried to make a 245. Then they'd be like, all right, now we're going to put you, almost try to get you play a five technique. Mm-hmm. Just talk about some of the the uh, anxiety and some of the, I wouldn't say anger, but some of the disappointment for the players that had to go through that. Well, I, I think that was Riley's third year. Right. Right, going into his third year. Yeah. First year was tough. It was real tough. On Coach Riley yeah. himself yeah. with the players. Second year, I think he had the players where he wanted them, yeah. believing in him. Yep. But then when he was – like, so you say, I don't know if he was forced to make that right. change. But that change really was the downfall of Coach Riley. Yeah, it put the – I always say that put the, the stopwatch. It went from regular motion to warp speed. Yes. To um, when your tenure would be over. When, you know, you get a guy that who's as arrogant, yeah. as cocky, his way is the only way. Um so there was no adapting right. to the players that he had on the roster. Uh, that was just that was that was it. Right. I mean, you had players. You know, one thing I've always tried to do was be there for the players. Right. Ultimately, it's about the kids. Yeah, the kids in the locker room. Yeah, because I wore that uniform, even if it, I didn't play at the University of Nebraska. Right. It's always been about the kids. For sure. Me. I've always been, tried to be that big brother. Big brother. Yeah. That 
that's mentor. Mentor. Right. You know, you may not like what he say. But they yes, come sir. from a good place. Yes, sir. Or no, sir. Right. And then just play for the brother to your right, right. brother to your left. Yeah. The guys that wore the uniform before you, the guys going to wear it after you. Right. You know, that's why I try to tell them all the time. But the the guy who who beats them down, right? Just constantly beat them down and never try to lift them up. Right. That's hard. Yeah. That's hard on the play. You right. know, and I know yeah. that. Coach McBride will let you have it, but he would also put his arms around. Oh, he'd be the first one there for you. First one yeah. there. So. But for a guy to constantly beat you down, tell you yeah. you're worthless, you're this, you're that, you're this, you're that, and never put his arms around you, you know that, that's right. that's not a guy you want to play for. Right. So I always say with Bob Diaco, it was, it was uh, you know anybody could have been a defensive coordinator when you had uh, when you know uh, you know or Stephen uh, it Stephen Tuitt is a defensive end who mm-hmm. was you know he's one of the greats to ever play for Steelers. You had Manti Teo when he was playing, and you had Harrison Smith playing safety. And that's right up the middle. Mm-hmm. And then you had uh, Big Nicks in there, too. That was really, really good. So you, And then they had corners and everywhere. So the defense was where what, I guess, brought him to notoriety was really, really stacked. Now, he coached him. Credit. My Bob Diaco story was uh, I was down at the – I remember seeing you, too. Because yep. I, I was down at the stadium, and I was just going – I was actually going down there to try to get a T-shirt from Jay, Jay, Jay Terry. Terry. So I said, man, you know, they're running a 3-4. I played – out of my nine years, I'd probably played seven or six of them in the three four. Um, so I said, let me just you know peek my head upstairs, and you know I knew Mike Riley just passing and stuff. Um, so Bob Diaco calls me into the into his his office, and he's got this big old whiteboard, and I start you know introduce my you know did all the pleasantries, and I say, hey man, you know it's pretty I'm pretty cool. You playing three four? I played in three four. You know you know, seven years in the NFL or whatever. He's like, oh, let me tell you about the, my 3-4. And, and he was talking to me as if his 3-4 was something totally different than I ever seen. Team. So I'm like, I sat back and, okay, cool. So I'm waiting for him to start putting up, you know, you know how you, when you draw the center, you put the X through yes. and the, the Y and all that. So I'm trying to think, oh, maybe he's going to put up like four different, you know, squares, squares. and stuff. Man, this man drew, <laughs> took, the, took, took this marker <laughs> and drew a sword. And he's like, my philosophy is we're going to be like a sword and we're going to stab him right there. I just literally, Kenny, I grabbed my T-shirt, <laughs> the little bag I had, got up and left. I said, I'm out of here. You said, I seen you and you said, where are you going? I said, I'm going home. Yeah, you wouldn't talk to him. Yeah, I said, I'm he done. Said, I'm okay. going home. That dude been on the job two days and I already, I already cashed him in. I mean, we, we talked about it. I mean, you know, when, when, when Riley took over, right. you had Tommy Armstrong as quarterback. Right. Riley's philosophy was West Coast offense. You know, you don't have a West Coast quarterback, quarterback, so you have to adapt to what you have. Right. Did he? No. Yeah. You know what I mean? So a lot of coaches think their way is the way. Right. Their scheme, their philosophy is the, the, the it all, end right. all, be all. So I, I think they did a lot of those players a disservice. Right. Um, again, ultimately, this game is about the players. Right. And you're, that's the only way you're going to win. That's the only way you're going to win. I mean, that's the one thing that, that a lot of coaches, that the really good coaches, the one of the best quotes I ever heard was obviously from Nick Saban. He said, I don't think plays. I always think players. Mm-hmm. He's like, those guys are the ones that are going to win and lose me again. He's like, my job is done come Friday. Yes. You know, and then obviously, you know, there's some things that obviously goes on on Saturdays and whatever the games are. But, you know, I think one of the things I wanted to ask you about, which I think is missing down there, and, I'm, and I can't speak for, for, for Coach Rule, is I can talk from my perspective when I came in, being an outsider, not from Nebraska, mm-hmm. coming here 
in in you coming back, the Toby Wrights coming back, uh, the Dante Jones and, and the Troy Dumases, all those guys coming back, and the inspiration that you guys gave us because you guys were playing at the next level, but it was also the brotherhood that you guys yes. gave us. Because so even when we came back and we would say, you know, struggling a little bit or whether we were playing or not, you guys were there to show us the way. I think that's what's really missing because you see it at all these other schools. Mm-hmm. Whether you look at University of Miami, yes. you look at Alabama, you look at Tennessee, one of my best friends coaches at Georgia, what they do with their alumni, use them as assets versus adversaries. Yes. And you can lose the – they can do a lot of your hard work if you just tell them what you need to do, we need to be do, need done because once that happens, it actually accentuates the coaching job. Yes. But I think some of the coaches these days want to have so much control over the players, which it's a weird mindset. We want to control have control or, or like our thumb on the players but don't want relationships with them. See, Isn't my, that a weird type of mindset, I, or is I, that just me? No, you hit the nail. Right. Right. I pride myself on trying to have a relationship with my players. Right. Not only my players at my position, but other All players. Of them. Right, yeah. The whole the whole team. Right. When I coached, and we we talk about coaching to a player's playing right, capability. Yeah. We always coach Sammy and I always said, you know, let's do stuff for, let's make sure these kids put them in a situation where they're gonna have success. Right. If you don't. You continue to put them in bad situations. They're not they shut be, down. They shut down. Right. So as a coach, you have to try to, in your mind, put kids in. You may be a good press corner. Right. But you're bad at off. Right. Coverage. So we're going to call things to your, to predicate what you can do. Sure. Right. So the, going back to what you said, I think as far as the alumni base, right. like when you came around, yeah. when, when JP came around, um, Toby came around. Right. Former players came around. I made it a point to introduce them to the current oh, players. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they need to know a Jay Foreman. They right. need to know a Jason Peter. Not just because, you know, they let you get up in front of the, the team, team and talk. Right. But even before you did that, when when former players came yeah. around, yeah. I made it a point not only to the players that's on the roster but the coaching staff. Sure. You may not have known anybody on the, the Riley, staff. You're right, yeah. Riley staff, Coach Frost staff, you right. know, but – but I made sure I walked you to every coach's yeah. office and introduced you to him. Right. Because that, that brotherhood that is there. It's got to be there. It's yeah. got to be there. And you say to Miamis and the Tennessees and the Alabamas, I think Nebraska's behind a little bit on right. that. Right. Um, I think they're working towards getting something in place for it. Yeah. Because you put your sweat and blood and tears into that place. I did the same thing. Right. Like you said, when, you, when I came back for you guys, I mean, the Glovers, the Neil Smiths. Right. Was uh, it for you? They came back for yeah. me. Yeah. You know, and you know, so they taught me and I'm and, and I wanted to teach you yeah. and I'm while I've been while I was there I wanted to teach the guys on the roster now. Exactly. I used to quiz them. Who's who's this guy? They had no clue. Right. I'm like, well, he played your position. You should know that. You should know that. Right. You know, in order to get to where you want to go, you gotta know your history. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So Yeah, that's always interesting in in um you know, with the last ten years, stuff like that. I think you know, from my perspective, I just think the, I think the biggest thing any coach can do, whether it's Matt Rule or any coach, you got to make sure your actions are exactly what your words Where's are saying. That? Because you know, as much as everybody says these kids are different, they are. They are right. But the one thing that they are, before anything, is they're athletes. So they're able to adapt to the environment that you put them in. Mm-hmm. Now they will go further along that you know journey if they can trust you. 
And what they do a lot of – and I said it, you know, really to be honest with you, you know, like when Coach McBride, he say, Kenny, I need you to run through that wall. Kenny, run through that wall. Now they might ask you why, but they got to make sure what, the reason why you tell them why is factual. Yes. It's not only that player. It's the, all the other players in the position group or in the team that's watching. Yes. So that's how you can lose a team real quick, and they won't ever trust you based on what they can tell you. Now, also what you have to make sure is that a lot of these players, they you know, defensive guys usually live with defensive guys, at least when I, when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Now you might have a quarterback live with a defensive guy. So now you got to make sure you're, you're open and honest as much as you can as a coach with everybody because if they see Kenny Wilhite not getting done right, now they now yeah. now it's on the other side That's of the ball. Side now the ball. they're watching you. Now you you always are kind of you know fighting an uphill battle. And I think that's one of the things that uh, if I ever could you know give Scott advice was would be that right. It was two things I always said. When you come in, be hard on them but fair. So make this spring ball the hardest and most physical it can be. Because then there you'll weed out the guys that don't really want to play football, mm-hmm. right? And then number two is make sure that your actions are exactly what your words said they were going to be. They have to be. Have to be, these, especially these, at the beginning. Yes, these kids aren't crazy. Right. They can, they, they'll, they'll figure out really quick. Right. If you're not truthful with them, if you're not – if you don't have their best interests. Right. They'll know right they'll away. They'll know right away. Right. And you know what's weird is that one thing I picked up on going, tell them the truth, they, they'd want that. They want that. They want to be told the truth. Yeah. They actually will shut down on you if you try to tell them something that's – Not the truth. Like soft. Yes. If you if you if you're hard from day one, right, and and they can accept that, right. But if you're trying to be their friends day one, and then you try to go hardest, yeah, you, you won't, yeah, you, yeah, it's you, a wrap. yeah, you, you're gonna they, lose them. Yeah, you're gonna they're gonna look at you no different than the guy they see down at the club. Yeah, <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah, who are you, who are you getting mad at who you me for? Mad? Right? Yeah, it, it, to be honest, it, it's happened. Yeah, I know. It's I happened. didn't want to go there, it's, but yeah, it, it's happened. Yeah, and that's where. When I like you know when I was done, I was looking to see stuff, and you not ask you, you'd be like, "Bro, no, leave it alone, leave it alone, right? Leave, leave it, it alone." alone. I st- I stayed in my lane, right? Because you have to. Because there was a couple guys that that I, that was like, I just don't want guys. Like, hey, I ain't your coach, bro. <laughs> I'm not you, your coach. I ain't your coach. Okay, no. I'm here for you, but I'm don't here. think you can't get folded up in that in that little trash can real, <laughs> real quick. quick. <laughs> real, real quick, yeah. get him done. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you know one thing I want to. Uh, you know another thing I want to ask since we got you here, man, is like. You know, I I tried to explain to a lot of people the difference between just as football now, the difference between being a boundary corner and a field corner. And, so, and I'm a, just from a little of what I know about Coach White and his three three five, there is a difference, mm-hmm. or he plays that. Mm-hmm. So talk for you, obviously being a corner, talk about the difference. I think a field corner you can hide them more, right? Because the ball is on usually the ball is on the opposite hash, right? There ain't no quarterback in, in America can throw that ball right from from one hash yeah. all the way outside the yeah numbers. consistently consistently yeah you know what I mean now you have some right Aaron Rodgers yeah you know, but in college it ain't gonna happen no so you can hide that guy whereas in the boundary you got to be a man yeah because you may end up on the tight end side and what they gonna do they run gonna line, they gonna run right at you yep so I mean and what people don't understand about boundary quarter because they figure oh the sidelines your friend well actually. If somebody hit the sideline, he gone. He gone. So, and that's also in a short pass. If they run through a hitch, if they if they throw, you know, a deep comeback and you miss the tackle, Ain't nobody strike up there. the band. There's nobody So, over there. actually, people think, and here's what I wanted to get, you, get into. People think your best cover corner 
is your field corner when actually it's your it's boundary, boundary corner. corner. That's your best player. That's almost that's, that's one of your top three, four players because he has to do everything, but he has to do it at a lot faster, faster. rate because it's coming at you so quick. He's got to be able to cover, and he's also got to be able to tackle. Right. So he's and gotta, and reroute and reroute. He's got to be a man. Right. So. I mean, we were fortunate enough to have Cam Taylor Britt right. uh, a year ago. You see what he's doing in the Yeah, NFL. he's um, – He was that guy. Yeah. He was that guy. Um, you hope Quentin Newsom can – Takes that next Continue step. to develop. Right, take right. That next and step. he has. He has. He's, right. he's gotten – you know, he's, he's matured. matured and his game is mature. And his game is mature. Yeah. So, I, I think there's still some maturity sure. for him to do. But I think if he takes that next step, right. they have it in him. Where yeah. you can hire Malcolm Hartsall right. to, the, to the field. Right, because yeah. and it's also easier for him. It's too. Easier for him, less can, thinking. Yeah, less thinking, easier route combinations. Easier route. You know, one thing I think people don't understand about playing that boundary corner when you have big tight ends. Now these tight ends ain't, you know, well, Rashawn played tight end. You know, he's six one, six foot. These they six, six seven, six, six seven. So what people don't understand playing corner, and I want you to speak on this, and I because I understand when I was playing linebacker and, and I'd be to the boundary, is those big tight ends. And they can obstruct your vision, so then, therefore, it can delay your route recognition. So even though there, there might only be an offset running back and a tight end, well, they can run that dragger coming over there, and you, your eyes get lost, and you run it with that tight end up the seam. Well, here comes the yeah, dragger. dragger. And he you're catch, supposed to be there. Right. And he catch it on the sideline. I always say he cocked the head back. <laughs> he cracked up the band. So talk about that. You talk about tight ends. This day and age, tight ends are flexed out into the boundary. Right. Which is even it's even which even work because they just engulfing you. Yes, right. They're six, 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 seven, and can run and can run. Right. You know what I mean. We've been fortunate enough the last three years to have Austin Allen and, and, and Vocalet. Vocalet. Right. You know those those are and Jack Stoll before Jack that. Stoll before that. Those were dudes. Yeah. You know what I mean. So you flex them out on the corner. They're gonna yeah. It's like Gronkowski a couple years ago against uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs corner just went right down right. the field. And then we, we talk about that. Michael Parson came here as a. You know, in in the summertime, and he ran past all those five star cornerbacks. Right. They flexed. They put him out of receiver, and they couldn't guard him. Right. So, the boundary corner, he's got to be a man. Yeah. Uh, there's a scout came through uh, this year. Mm-hmm. I, de- I dealt with the pro scouts, and he told me his name. I said, "Oh snap!" He was the tight end for the University of Washington when we were playing him in, in Lincoln in '91. Uh-huh. Two point conversion. They flexed him out on me, mm-hmm. and I said, "You thought you was going to get me, huh?" He said, "That's you." Right. And I go, yeah, that's me. You said he messed up his draft status. <laughs> no, he, he played in the NFL for right. a while, but, he, you know, he was a big dude. Right. You know, but I accepted the challenge. challenge. And but you're training. Training. In practice. In practice. Was second nature. Second nature. So I told him, I said, man, that was some fun times. He was like, that, was, that is you. That is you. But if, like I said, if Quentin Newsom can take that next step, right. he'll, be a, he'll be an NFL type guy. Who are the two or three guys you think coming back from defense, if they can take that next step, even though it's a new defense, new philosophy, if they can take that next step on and off the field, because I think it's a direct you know, tie to it, that can help this defense get back to where it's respectable or continue along on what you guys did last year towards the end of the season? Well, the, the, the four secondary guys. Right. They can gel. If they can gel together. Newsom, right. Buford, Farmer. And Hartzell. Those are the main ones. Right. Uh, like we said, if Quentin can take that next step. But right. he ha- – I didn't say – let me rephrase that. It's got to be on and off the field. Right. You know, 
you got to be able to balance school, football, social life, social life, and then you got to study football. And ex- yeah, and ex- you have to study football. Right, right now. Right now. Yeah. Like, right now, you need to be studying the defense. And then also your opponent. Your opponent. Who you're playing next year. You got to learn a new defense. Right. So the playbooks is on the iPad. And you can track. Yeah. Who watches. Oh, I know. Film. I know there's a guy that came here and it <laughs> came came in the transfer portal. They ain't open that thing. Didn't open it. So, again, we talked about it earlier. You have to love the game. Yeah. You have to sacrifice something. The preparation. If you know, your, if you know your, what you're doing. Right. Learning your opponent is easy. Yeah. If you know what you're doing, I want to ask you: Is the biggest is do you do you think one of the biggest difference between from kids these days and say like you know even like Bo's like when Bo was his his group of guys? Cause I think most of those guys were football guys. I think it started to dissipate towards the end of his tenure. Yes, is that they don't love the game of football. They love everything that comes with it, but do they they don't love the work, the study, the you know the nuances of it. Because the one thing I asked, I remember asking, uh, uh, I think I was asking Adrian about the teams in the NFL. He ain't know none of them. <laughs> so that let me know you ain't watching no Sunday football. Right? Man, this, and I always say that. That's what I look for. Right. You don't know if they love the game until you get them on your campus. And that you can't put no star ranking you on that. No, you can't. So you watch all of him you want. But there's a lot of guys that love what comes with it. First. First. Yeah. How many Twitter followers? Right. I mean, you, you would not believe how many guys would DM me and say, hey, how do I get a check mark on my Twitter? Oh, I'm sure that's the, one like, of the first thing. What? If that's what you worried about, you ain't the guy for me. Right. If all you cared about is how can you get a check mark right. on your Twitter? I remember when Riley was having the first Friday Night Lights. They were talking about when Micah Parson came and how many in Bookie, 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 Bookie or whatever, Bookie or whatever. Name, how many like they gained twenty thousand followers by just coming here? Just coming here, yeah. It, it, it was crazy, right? Micah Parsons, Bookie, uh, Darnay Holmes, right? All, all those of guys. Them. They all Keyshawn, Tristan mm-hmm. Jebbia. They were all highly rated guys. No two came here. No, they, no. You had uh, Dismuke, Jebbia, and Keyshawn, and Dismuke's the only one that made and, it. Oh, and uh, Tyjon Lindsay. And Dismuke was the only one that made it. Made it past one year. Made it past one year. Mm. That's a dang shame. Well, that's some inside scoop right there, if you call, if you if you will, from Kenny Wilhite. A little bit from me, but the insight of uh, modern-day athletes or high school athletes. So as we start to cheer on this recruiting prowess of this new regime, you're saying we need to pump the brakes and right. just make sure. Because here's what I think before we go to break. People don't understand. Every, you talk about the best-case scenario with all these guys, but majority of them ain't going to make it. Yeah. And so that's what you – if you're batting 50%, that's good, right? If you bat 50%, that's good. You really good. You really good. Yeah. 50% so, is really good. Right. Then you be – we be – we, we yeah. going to Florida somewhere yeah. to watch a game. Yeah. We'll find out this spring. Right. We, hey, time, hey, time, time, time does not waste for, no time. No, it's time waste for no one. No, man. And it's coming, too. It's so, coming. Yeah. So we're going to go to break. We'll have one more short segment before I think DP's going to come in here and sit in and, and uh, pump some knowledge into us. But we'll, we'll be right back after this short break. Watch Old School Live on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch. Old School with DP and Jay on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.